Speak Your Truth. I'm here with Naya Taffer, USA Rugby Olympic team member, and uh, she's the best in the world. I was having a fangirl moment, still fangirling, um, and I got to talk to the best rugby player in the world, and she's black, African-American. Y'all know I don't like either one of those words, but we're going to use them for lack of better terms. Um, and that's something that we talked about, was being a person of color playing rugby, and she actually said there's a lot of women of color playing rugby now, which took me by surprise. And she um, must think that I'm crazy because she asked me to play rugby, said I should play. And uh, it sound good. It looked good, too. It looked fun. But nah, not me. I'm going to leave that to her. And uh, her teammates, they kicked ass in the Olympics. And um, super, super, super grateful to, to have had her on the show. This um, episode, we're going to talk about um, also how she even got into rugby, being mentally strong when you are um, one of few in any sort of space, which I think is very important for people of color and women to hear. So, um, yeah, hope you take something from this episode. Thank you, Naya, and thank you all for listening. Yay! Speak your truth. We got with us Naya. Is it Tapper or Taper? Tapper. Tapper, okay. I mean, English, like it's spelled like that, but I want to make sure because it's all kinds of ways to pronounce stuff. I really appreciate you being here. The best, from what I hear, you're the best female rugby player out here, man. That's what I heard. <laughs> One of them. Out One of them? Sure. Okay, well, well, in my eyes, you're the best. So you go ahead and be humble. You. You're the best to me. That's dope. Super, super proud and grateful to be here with you today, and I really appreciate it. Tell us about you. Who is Naya? Uh, so my name's Naya Tapper. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. I was born in Beaufort, South Carolina, but... My dad was in the military, so we moved around a lot before we finally kind of settled in Charlotte, and that's where I went to a little uh, middle school, high school, and then college at Chapel Hill UNC, where I actually found, where where I started playing rugby. Um, I grew up a very energetic, aggressive child. I loved to play football. I loved to be outside as long as I possibly could. Um, I grew up watching my brother in sports. Um, and myself and my sisters in sports as well. So sports was a really big part of our family, but nothing that I ever thought that I would take to a professional level. Um, never had the Olympic dream growing up. It was fun to watch, but I, I never like aspired to be an Olympian until I got to college and realized it was actually feasible. So um, I think college for me is really where my rugby journey began and kind of got me to where I am today. That's awesome. So how did you even get into rugby? You started off running track, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was running track. I think I started in seventh grade in Columbus, Georgia. And I got to high school and I was like, okay, I'm going to try for the cheerleading team because I did cheerleading a little in middle school. And I didn't make it. So I was like, okay, you know, like the talent gap from middle school to high school is a lot different. So I was like, well, I'll just try track and field. Like that's what I had been doing anyway. Um, And I was very successful in that my four years at West Mecklenburg High School. And they had a rugby team there. So that was the first time that I learned what rugby was and that it existed. But because I was so dedicated to track and um, my coach didn't want me to get injured during my season, I just, he wouldn't allow me to play. So I was like, oh, you know, it's whatever. Like, I didn't really know what I was missing back then. So it wasn't a big deal for me. Um, And then I got into college. Um, at UNC Chapel Hill for specifically academics. I didn't want to run track anymore. Um, I don't know if I would have been able to run competitively 
at a D1 level. So I kind of was just like, I'm just going to go to school, focus on academics and have a good time. Because I feel like <laughs> I missed a lot of that in high school because I was writing so much with track meets and all those things. So um, got to college, was enjoying the social, social life. But as you know, like when you're in sports and it's a part of your life, it's kind of hard to let go even when you think you do want to let it go. Mm-hmm. So I decided, you know, I'll do club rugby. Like it'll be less demanding, not as much of a commitment required as a varsity sport. You just have a game on the weekend, have a couple practices during the weekend. You can still enjoy everything else that college um, has to offer. So that was kind of my mentality going into the club sport of rugby at UNC. And it's kind of blew up and took me to incredible places. Yeah, man, it's crazy. But you you never know what you are really getting yourself into. And uh, that transition from you know, tracking started, you know, what some people would consider late because many people start sports so early, especially nowadays. Yeah. They don't like starting, you know, they're two or three years old, man. Yeah. And then, you know, you had success, you know, so much success in that. And, um, you know, like you said, giving up a sport going to college is so difficult. So what was mm-hmm. that, that decision-making process like for you? And why did you ultimately choose to continue playing it in that way? Honestly, it really wasn't hard for me at all because I had been doing it for so long and was aware of the things that I was missing out on. And my personality, I love having a good time, doing all the fun events and things like that. So having to miss out on a lot of those when I was younger, I just didn't think that made sense. So I made it my mission to be able to experience those things in college before I had to go and actually be a real adult. So it wasn't that hard of a decision. Um... I tried to think realistically, and I was like, I'm not going to go pro in track and field. So there's really no point in me trying to do that if I realistically know I can't. And I didn't need sports to get into a good college, so that was another benefit for me of focusing on my academics so that I wouldn't have to depend on sports to be able to get me into the school of my dreams. For sure. And that's awesome. Yeah. Man, as a, especially as a uh, black female, we don't you know, really talk about how many get scholarships for just academics. Everybody focuses so much on the student athlete, and I think that's so yeah. awesome and incredible. So awesome and incredible. So congratulations to you. That's super dope. Um, I don't think I was that smart. Maybe if I didn't play basketball and put a little more effort into it. So like every time I meet somebody that gets an academic scholarship, like to me, I think that's so much cooler and better than getting an athletic scholarship, in my opinion. That's how I feel. Yeah. Can you talk about the stigma of being a black athlete in what is considered a white sport or majority white sport? Yes. Um, So I think one of the first things I'll say is like the fact that there was a rugby team at my high school, which was a predominantly black, African-American, Hispanic school. Um, To have the sport there in the first place, that was probably like the first sign of like, okay, this is your destiny. You don't really know it it was a very out-of-place sport to be at that school and it was actually brought to that school by one of the math teachers one of my math teachers he was a white male you know Mm -hmm. and he played it and brought it to our school and was teaching all these african-americans and hispanics how to play rugby and us both being black females like African-Americans are very talented in the sport realm, obviously in a lot of other realms, but specifically in the sport realm, we really dominate in any sport that we know of. So 
for me, going into the sport um, when I did at UNC, that was in a predominantly white school. Mm -hmm. um, most of my teammates were white. There were a couple black girls on the team um, and other races as well, but it was predominantly white. The coach was white. Most of the staff is white, you know? So mm -hmm. um, I think for me and a lot of the other girls that were on the team in college, we didn't let that um, change who we were as people, how we celebrated, what type of music we listened to, how we behaved. Like, we stuck to what we knew, regardless of the people that were around us. Because mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times when you get in certain environments like that, you feel like you have to change yourself into somebody you think would be acceptable to them. And that wasn't the case for yeah. us. And I think um, because it was the sport of rugby, those people were so receptive to that. Mm -hmm. Because in rugby, you have a lot of people who... Um, are from different religions, from different backgrounds. They choose to love different people than who people tell them they need to love. So it was like a group of, not misfits, but people who were open to being around people with different perspectives and ways of living. So I think that's why it was accepted so much, so much for us to come out there and be who we were as human beings. And I think it was, for me, like, important to teach them like this is what the black community is like this yeah. is the music we listen to this is what we do on the weekends and to receive that same feedback from from them of what do they do what do they eat what do they like to listen to so it was just like a melting pool of getting to know all different types of races so i like that about it and being able to make people more aware of us as African-Americans and that we're actually like really amazing and you don't really have to be scared of us. <laughs> for real? So I, think that was, yeah. so I think that was cool for me. And I think I've had the same mentality since going into the professional level of, again, it being pre predominantly white five years ago, but right now it's just like blowing up with so many African-Americans and um, different um, ethnicities playing the sport. Um, some of the top rugby players in the world are African-American. A lot of them are. Wow. Um, so that just shows you the growth of the sport and how accepting it is over time of people of different colors and religions, backgrounds, all that good stuff. So, you know, it's everything that, anything you expose us to will probably end up being really good. And so me having lived that now, now I hope to share that same um, perspective with other African-Americans who might not even know the sport exists. A lot of people don't know what rugby is, especially in the black community. So being able to be that um, representation for them and they see like, oh, I can travel the world, I can go to the Olympics, I can learn this new sport and be accepted by this amazing group of people as long as I keep doing what I'm doing. Definitely. And you inspired me. Yeah. I wanted to play rugby. My parents wasn't having it. I couldn't even play regular <laughs> football. Yeah. Yeah, that was the case with a lot of the girls. And a lot yeah. of them literally, like, were disowned from their family. And what? that just blew my mind. That just didn't make any sense to me. Wow. How, yeah. Even Disowned. at the professional level. Mm -hmm. That's so. crazy. I never heard that before. <laughs> yeah. What? Yes, I thought I sacrificed stuff. I didn't sacrifice 
anything compared to a lot of those girls. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. crazy. I've never heard nothing like that. I now I need to talk to them. <laughs> Hook me up, man. That's yeah. Well, look, if y'all got a spot on the team, I don't know. Just I can only play about five minutes because I'm a little old now. But I got y'all. I can do something. I got you. So did did you know you said you had to sacrifice some things? So that was my next mm-hmm. question. Was it that did anything ever um, impact your mental health? It was going to be more specifically about being black in the white sport, but you said like it was very uh, accepted. So does anything else ever affect your mental health playing this sport? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say I feel like I am pushed a lot harder in my mind than a lot of the other girls on the team and at times I think you know it might be because you're Mm African-American because I can't think of any other reason some days (laughs) so (laughs) but knowing me it's just like okay well like you're strong you're gonna get through it but that shouldn't always have to be the fallback you should just um just get treated equally I guess and the same with like asking for contract increases and things like that, having to explain yourself. Again, questioning, is it because I'm African-American that I have to do all these extra things in order to get what I feel I deserve? So I don't know if it's something that's just naturally a part of our culture where we feel like if we don't um, get something right away, we automatically use the quote-unquote excuse of, oh, well, you know, I'm black, maybe they're being racist. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the times it is that, but there might be times where it's not, so... Sometimes I'm hesitant to think that way or even say this out loud Mm -hmm. because you don't want it to seem like you're just using that as an excuse and that maybe you really didn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. But So I think that's probably like the only mental thing I've struggled with is for people to feel like they can attack me as much as they want or not give me what I deserve because possibly of my race mm-hmm. and not knowing and knowing you can't ask because even if you ask doesn't mean they're going to tell you the truth Exactly. and it's probably going to come with a lot of heat anyway so going back and forth between is this just like how everybody's being treated or is it how I and maybe a lot of my other African American or minority teammates are being treated For because sure. I don't know like again it's a white man's sport so even at the top you have majority white males at the highest level of the sport in the Mm -hmm. organization so you want to hope that they all have your best interest but in a world that we live in realistically it may be the case it may not so then how do you navigate around that for sure i think as dark-skinned black women honestly it is valid to question every situation is this Mm -hmm. happening to me because of the way that i look And for me personally, going even further, even being gay and being a masculine gay woman, like I have to always ask, like, is this person acting this way because of this? Especially when I like, for example, at a gas station restaurant, if I see you treat somebody else really, really nice and then you come to me and you acting different, you already done judged me. Like, so what's up? But then I got it. Like you said, I have to sit here and ask. Is it because I'm black? Is it because I'm a woman? Is it because I'm gay? All these different things because even white women get disrespected and and unheard sometimes too and have to, you know, fight to to get raises and stuff. So like I I always, like you said, can't say it's because I'm black, but it can be because I'm a woman or it can be because I'm gay. So it's always, I think it's valid to question people sometimes why they act the way they act. Don't ever 
feel embarrassed or like you crazy or nothing like that because it's literally yeah. factual that dark, darker complected women, no matter what race you are, get treated the worst, the worst, mm-hmm. and men as well. But women, we at the bottom. I don't care what nobody say. We are yeah. the absolute bottom on the totem pole. So anytime somebody energy is off with me, I'm already asking or already even just saying, especially where I'm from, you a Trumper, like <laughs> you racist. I already know. I don't even have to question it no more. Like I'm not yeah. going to feel crazy anymore because of how somebody else is treating me and they are going to try to tell me it's not because of that. I'm not stupid. It doesn't happen too many times. So no, yeah. that's extremely valid and I respect that. And thank you for opening up because I know it's not easy. I literally just watched a video yeah. of a, a dark-skinned black man saying the same exact thing. He says it because he knows that other people are afraid to or feel like they won't be heard, like it's just an excuse. But no, like these are valid things. Uh, even in 2021, yeah. it's valid, sadly. Yeah. Sadly. Um, is there any advice that you have while we're talking about that? For a young, dark-skinned black girl who is trying to find her way in the world and also in sports. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things I had to learn was to not be scared, not be afraid to use my voice. Mm-hmm. And I'm somebody who's really not afraid to use my voice, so sometimes I feel like I can be overbearing um, or I can just be too much. But I have learned that a lot of the times you're speaking for people, as you said, who are too afraid to speak up and who won't tell you even when you do speak up, oh, like, I really appreciate that you did that. Mm-hmm. So do it for yourself because the worst that people can tell you is no, and that doesn't hurt that bad. You know, you'll get over that. Um, but it'll hurt worse if you never spoke up, if you never said anything. Um, so you don't want to have any regrets in that aspect. So um, being a woman in sports, speak your mind but do it in a professional way there will be times where things will get heated but as much as you can try to keep it professional we're all emotional and passionate about certain things so it's okay to showcase that Um, but at the end of the day try to keep it as professional as possible um never change who you are because that's how that's what's going to allow you to live the most comfortable and happy life you can possibly live um and I'd probably say always fight for what you deserve in every level of life. And that just all wraps into just having no regrets with every decision that you make going through life. I think that's one of the ultimate goals for me and something that I've learned over time is it's going to suck right there in that moment. But in the long run, it'll probably be um, the best decision you make. Definitely. Naya, thank you. Yeah. You are awesome. You're super dope. I appreciate you taking <laughs> the time to speak with us. Um, good no luck problem. with your career. Um, and I'm going to be on y'all podcast, too. If I fit the description for <laughs> yeah. the guests, yeah, I got you. Just Absolutely. let me know. Yeah. Um, I got you. But, yeah, thank you. I really appreciate you and you taking the time to speak with us tonight. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this was a great conversation. And hopefully, if you're really interested in uh, playing rugby, let me know. I can try to hook you up. For real, I you know look, I gotta get. I've been lifting. I lost a lot of weight, but y'all are different. I gotta get ready. You gotta let me know how I need to prepare, cause I okay. I, I will. Cause I miss I do miss traveling. I've been looking for opportunities to travel for real. So if yeah. I gotta do something different, I'm a little now now you gonna put me on the spot. For real though, I got you. I got you. Thank you. Okay. Recording stop. Speak your truth. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
please take a look at today's show notes for any questions you may have and more information on today's guests. If there's anything that I did not answer, you know where to find me.